Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kana. I'm Andy. Welcome to Diplomacy Games, the uh, premiere podcast about diplomacy. <laughs> well, all things related. Well, well, I, well, I don't know if we say premiere, but... We, no, it's not. It's longest running. Longest running, yes. We could give it that one. Um, longest continuously running. Actually, I think we're probably now actually running longer than Dipcast actually ended up running for. But Really? Probably. But they only they got to about 60 episodes. This is, this is episode 109. Wow. I oh, think. There we go. There we go. Mm. Oh, definitely pick up the, uh, the, the flame from Diplomacy Cars. Yes, yes. The baton was passed on, or baton was passed on around exactly the same time we started. Yes. What are you drinking? Um, I think it was called a Parker Estate uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from the Kernwara in. Um, what's Kernwara? Victoria? Think it's, so. yeah, it's, it's very nice. It's not bad at all. Okay, great. What about you? You got an IPA or something? I've got an IPA. It's a ballistic. Oh, I like the ballistic IPA. I think. Or am I thinking of the other one? No, I'm thinking of the Windjammer IPA. Who makes that? Oh, that is. It's one of the breweries we've been to. Yes. Is it? Oh, I think so. One out at. Um... Yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> you know, Newstead. Newstead, yeah. Newstead Brewery? Yeah, Newstead Brewery does that one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is a local one from Brisbane. It's a nice shop. Yeah, they're, um, I think they're based in Salisbury. As an opening, how's yours? It's a it's a nice opening. It's um, a standard, comfortable, you know, two supply centres. Um, no one's kind of kind of created you any grief. They've kind of said they're going to do what they're going to do, and it hasn't created any problems for you. So it's nice and smooth. Got a small amount of dustiness on the palate, and I don't know what that means. Maybe it's a you know you landed your armies on Tunis or something like that. <laughs> Successfully. Oh, it's a slingshot or something. Yeah. That's yeah okay. Yeah. All right. So you're Italy landed in Tunis. Yeah, maybe this is like a, a Lepanto where everybody's moved everything, Austria's moved everything in the right way. Is there a set of orders where you could get a French army in Tunis in 1901? Is that or possible? Not? Oh, into Tunis. No. It's impossible. It's impossible. Oh, no, you would be able to. Because yeah. you could have... Oh, wait a sec. No, you can't. No, no. Marseille's an army, isn't it? Yes. They no, can't, because they start, there's a fleet starts in Brest. You can get yeah. to the Mid-Atlantic Ocean. And you can get to Western Med. And get to the Western Med. For four, 1901. But you wouldn't be able to do better yeah. than that, no. Italy only starts with one fleet. Could move to the Ionia. Turin. Yeah. No, the Ionia. Yeah, and, and then... Yeah, no, it's, imp- it's an impossibility. France can't get to Mr. Nino. No. With an army. No. But full stop. Can't get a full stop. No. <laughs> okay. How's yours as an opening? Um, it's actually come out stronger than I was expecting. Like, it's a 5.8. Mm. Um, it's... Does that mean you've taken three supply centres, but you don't think you can hold it long term? You're going to have to give... It's like you've got Belgium, but you know you really can't hold Belgium for too long. 
Yeah, yeah. You you were expecting a bounce in Belgium or Germany yeah. or France, one or the other. And you you were expecting to bounce in Germany. Yeah, you're France. You got Belgium. You weren't expecting Belgium. You only wanted to get two supply centres because yep. if you grow too fast as France... And now all of a sudden you get a sea line coming at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see, oh, you can see the danger. No, that's the other way around. What's, a, what's an England, England-German alliance against France called? That is... The Oschluss, is it? No, that's the when Anschluss. you... Com- that is Austria and Germany. Oh, oh, is, I'm sure yeah. a lot of our listeners are yelling at us right now it's through their headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a... It's a good opening, but I'll paint it a target. I know if I have too many of these, what's coming. So we're recording today in Leonard's Bar. Which was recommended to us at our last drinking den. Yes. Yeah. It's not a bad spot. By Max, the host. I think he was his name. Good question. Yeah, I think so. Max. Yeah. Max the host recommended this one. And actually, on the way here, I walked past another bar that's more like a, it's a hotel bar, technically. Right. Um, that's been closed for a while when they kind of had COVID and things like that in this particular hotel and became a quarantine hotel. They look not too bad. So, there might be another option for us in the future. There's a few little spots down and around this place. Yeah. It's part of the world. Indeed. CBD That's a nice spot, I have to say. Anyway, hey. We had a very interesting interview. Yes, I think as I mentioned at some stage during the interview, I'm surprised we're having this interview because there's no way in the world I actually expected... The number of times that I reach out to potential guests who I think would be great to have on the show to talk about a connection with diplomacy, and the number of times I hear nothing back or thanks but no thanks, this was going to be, I think, in that, that category. Right. But instead it was like, yes, we'd love to. Well, shall we just throw to it? I, I, honestly, I want to be, say a big thank you for Tejas Patel and Heather Dees uh, for facilitating it from DARPA. Yes, so we've spoken before around the artificial intelligence side of the game. Obviously, most recently around Facebook and Meta. And I think one point in time we touched on, maybe it was in a... Was it in one of the Patreon episodes we talked a little bit about how I'd found this particular procurement notice that had gone out from DARPA around? I think so, but why don't you just remind our listeners? Yes, okay. And then we'll so, get into it. Long story short, DARPA is the... What does it stand for? What's the acronym? Looking it up. <laughs> Kato will look that up. But basically they are a, an American research, military research, defence um, government body. Um, apparently they, well, many people know that they invented the ARPANET, which is the precursor to the inter- internet. Stealth bombers. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Um, Defence Advanced Research Project Agency. DARPA. So, um, but why would we be talking to them, you'd think? Exactly. Well, it's yes. two blokes. Two drunk Aussies uh, with an interest in diplomacy to do the talking with DARPA. And it's because um, DARPA put out a contract to the private sector seeking expressions of interest to develop up a an engine that would basically not just play diplomacy, which there's been plenty of other examples of that in the gunboat environment, but also be able to interpret the linguistics of communication and the likely intent of that communication, which I think we've always talked about would be the 
hidden grail for just a, a competitive, you know, bot that we can actually talk to and converse with. But DARPA are doing it. I'm not. And at the time, I thought, well, they're probably not doing, doing this because they want to make <laughs> the game great for us diplomacy players. They probably have a. There must be a reason. There'd have to be a business case, particularly when you're kind of going up and, and making a bit particular for funding to be able to do this. Right. Um, so it is very much in the AI space, but it's the AI space for communication, and it's using bots um, that are already out there, well developed. Yep. Um, but it's bootstrapping off that, um, seeing if they can't get some sort of communication happening, um, both in a, in a well, in a duplicitous way, but in a, um, a sincere way, and so just trying to get that AI research happening. Anyway, it's a very interesting interview. Um, thank you again so much to Hebrides for um, facilitating the, um, the interview with Tejas Patel. So, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Tejas Patel, thank you very much for joining us on the Diplomacy Games podcast. It's now happy to be here. Um, look, I, as we were saying just before we started recording, I'm amazed we're having this conversation. And maybe it's because I've been watching too many Hollywood movies, but when you think of around a agency involved in defence and obviously around uh, a certain level of, of what would normally expect security, 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 secrecy, all those type of things, um, there would usually be this, you know, a bit of a cloak put over things to kind of keep it all kind of under wraps and, and not be as open in the public domain that you are. Um, can you tell us a little bit around the actual Shade Project? And sorry, this might be a multi-part multi, um, multi question. Tell us a little bit about the Shade Project. How does it actually relate to the game diplomacy and why the game diplomacy? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me start out by saying, you know, uh, I appreciate and understand your comments about expecting secrecy, uh, but I think you'll find that uh, DARPA is pretty public. We're re really excited about the research that we do. Um, you know, you you talk to our public affairs office. Uh, we have a Twitter presence. You can follow us. Uh, it's it's pretty um, it's pretty nice. We try to do a lot of uh, cool research, and you know the goal is to do things that are you know beneficial to the country, to the world, and you know that includes everybody, right? So, um, you know, on, on that note, uh, talking about uh, shade, um, you know, first off, I've been a, a fan of the game since I first discovered it when I was a, a teenager. Um, although I will say it's oftentimes hard to find uh, you know seven people at once to play uh, at the same time, um, and so. You know, as I kind of progressed through my career, and I'm now in a position to actually fund research, uh, one of the things that I was very interested in is understanding, um, you know, how to make uh, communication agents uh, that are more natural, if you will, right? So uh, one of the things that uh, comes to mind is if I, you know, I'm talking to Siri on my iPhone or my Google Home or whatever the case may be, um, you know, I ask it a question, and then it'll give me a response. And perhaps it gives me the wrong response. And what happens then is, you know, whether it's intentional or not, maybe I get a little bit agitated, a little bit frustrated, and I ask the question again, you know, a little bit uh, uh, in an agitated manner, and, and I get the same wrong answer again, right? And so, it, you know, what I realized is a lot of these agents don't have a good sense of understanding nuanced communication. They don't understand how humans really discuss things and the, the, the fact that, you know, we are emotional beings, right? So uh, I wanted to sort of explore that space. 
And at the same time, uh, the other side of this uh, uh, challenge or this problem is the fact that, uh, you know, it's not just talking to uh, an individual human, but it's the fact that very rarely in real life uh, do you run into a situation where it's a one-on-one -on -one communication. Oftentimes, uh, our sort of interactions are very much about having a group of individuals, right, and getting that group to come to some sort of consensus or agreement, whether it's, you know, all of them have the stated end goal or not, finding opportunities to collaborate together, right? Um, and then understanding when that group should separate or, or disband, right? And so thinking through some of those problems, diplomacy became the sort of perfect use case, right? There's a long history of using uh, board games or other games really to uh, issue proxy problems for the sort of challenges that I've, uh, you know, that I laid out. And so uh, diplomacy is what I chose because it's something that uh, is very relatable, right? So even for people who don't know the game, when I explain the concept, it becomes, oh, that's really cool. And usually I get to relate it to risk, which becomes, you know, kind of that uh, entryway uh, or gateway game into more complicated uh, sort of uh, um, uh, board games. And so that's really why I chose uh, diplomacy. Uh, it's just very relatable. It's complicated enough that it leads to uh, sort of challenges for the people that are, are doing this research. Uh, and then, you know, the, ideally, it really leads to sort of outputs or outcomes that are going to be usable in very many scenarios that are, you know, real world focused. It's interesting that you talked about, obviously, you were introduced to the game when you were a little bit younger, I assume like high school type of period, or was it college? That's right. That's right. It was exactly that in high school. Um, interesting. How, how did you find it? How did you discover the game in the first place? Was it through a friend, yeah, or a teacher, so, or? Yeah, you know, uh, trying to think through it, I can't remember if it was a teacher or uh, you know fellow students that you know just uh, you know after school stuck at uh, stuck there waiting for you know school bus or after school activities. You know, you play cards or you know play basketball on the on the field or whatever. And and I'm almost certain you know somebody mentioned uh, diplomacy and. I, I vaguely remember being very interested in the game, but we could never find enough people to play. Uh, and then when I finally got a copy of the rule books, I realized it was probably good because I'm not sure I would have been able to actually adjudicate a game properly uh, without, you know, the, the the sort of things that are available now uh, as in like online uh, adjudicators. And I mean, the fact that you kind of obviously played that and then how, how did you actually kind of, what, what made you realize when you were kind of, I mean, because I'm assuming... Um, I've kind of had prior experience working within a government environment, so I'm, I'm conscious of how, um, you know, when you kind of put together project bids and all those type of things, how you need to kind of position things. W when did it actually the penny drop up to you around the idea of introducing the game as uh, that vehicle to do that um, um, understanding around that nuanced communication yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, it, it didn't uh, really take that much effort to, to jump to this conclusion, right? I thought about, uh, you know, what are the different games that are uh, that we have explored? Uh, and the first thing that came to mind was chess, right? So you think about uh, chess and the fact that now computers are very good at it. Um, same thing with like uh, Go, right? Uh, but both of these games are this notion of perfect information. You know everything about what you do, what your opponent's going to do. And I... You know, I realized like, that's not really uh, very uh, indicative of what the real world is like. And so then you look at other games that have uh, come about and you can think of uh, poker as, as a big game, right? So the, in that one, there is this notion of bluffing. There is a notion of you have uh, these adversaries that you're going to try to lie to. 
uh, or cheat, if you will. Uh, cheat's probably the wrong term because you know there are rules in the game and you're not allowed to break them. Um, but even in that game, right, the state of different actions you can take is quite limited. You know, it's check, fold, call, raise, right? There may be like four things you can do. Um, and there's this, this notion that uh, even if there are multiple people playing, you are not going to really have collusion, right? You and I can't work together against somebody else. Um, that's just explicitly forbidden. But the real world is really about uh, having groups of people work together, right? And so I kind of walked through that uh, thought process in my head, and then I jumped to uh, diplomacy because the game is really all about building those coalitions and, uh, you know, uh, backstabbing each other. Uh, and so I, I pretty much, I just laid that out as a, as you know, what I saw as the prior work or the prior research uh, and where I thought something was novel and innovative. And uh, one thing DARPA is really good at is if you have uh, an, a, a sort of idea that you want to explore and you lay it out quite well, uh, oftentimes it's not that hard to get a research problem funded. Um, and, I, and I should go go on and say, it's not that diplomacy came to my mind all by myself. You know, there is other research that's been going on. Um, I think both Facebook and uh, DeepMind have been funding quite a bit of research uh, in diplomacy. Um, but their focus has really been on the no press version, right? And what I really wanted to focus on specifically was that communication between the players. And so Shade is really, you know, you can say it's about diplomacy and it is the, the board game that we've used or settled upon to do this research. But the parts that are really excite me are focusing on the communications that happen between the bots uh, or the players, right? Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the thought process that went through my head. So how how does the um, how does the communication take place, Tejas, like between a bot and a human, or between the two bots? Yeah. Um, can you talk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So the so the program is uh, fairly early on, right? It's been running for maybe four or five months. Um, so right now, the teams are really thinking through exactly what you said, uh, and you know. I, I, don't, I don't want to foreshadow or or speak for what, what the research is going to show, but by and large, the early sort of ideas are to use a um, – a, a sort of contract language, if you will, right? That looks very much like um, what you would see in, um, uh, you, you know, the order history for a game, if you will, right? But adding extensions that say, hey, I would like you to make this move, or I would like you to do uh, do this move, or support me now, or support me for this many turns, right? So that's what the language looks like. And then, you, you know, the other uh, other teams or the other bots have an option of responding with a counter argument, ignoring, accepting you know so on and so forth and what we're what we're doing is in the early parts of the program uh, adding extensions to that where we can you know add right now just tags that say I'm sending this message in anger or in happiness you know simple emotional um, uh, identifications uh, primarily to build out data sets that we can use for follow-on uh, sort of analysis right and then the goal is as things mature build out that language to be much more nuanced add things that aren't maybe just a uh, you know crude emotional states but other uh, other sort of identifying uh, information or metadata uh, and then uh, also what the teams are going to do is privately annotate all these messages with an understanding of hey I was lying or I think they were lying 
or my confidence that they're telling the truth is 20% or whatever the case may be, right? So now we can create these data sets that aren't just the game uh, communications, but they're also showing what is the private thought that was going through, quote unquote thought, if you will, uh, going through with all of these, uh, these bots, right? And so that allows us to do future analysis and try to better understand, you know, how do we align what a bot was saying what they meant and what actually happened and why it might have happened. Within like a, actually to be perfectly honest, um, Tejas, I'm, I'm surprised that it's, I'm surprised but not surprised, let me put it that way, around um, doing this in an actual structured language format like the way you described because obviously it removes a certain degree of variables, it's a certain controlled um, vocabulary and syntax for communication. Um, so that makes a lot of sense um, but at the same time, it misses, as you said, some of the nuance, which presumably, as you yeah. said, will probably evolve over time. Um, when originally I kind of found out about the project, I kind of assumed that you would be probably doing something similar to what's happened with, and you touched on Facebook and Meta, and there's been plenty of other uh, research done, which has been involving gunboat games. So games mm -hmm. where there is actually no communication, it's merely looking at the tactical uh, elements of what players do, and the obviously the, the bots of the training agent effectively has developed up an understanding that when this happens in this certain combination it's likely that somebody is lying and therefore you just do whatever um, so that's obviously the bot thinking in air quotes um, but that's obviously just based purely on really existing data and what's actually happened as a result of that data and all that actually produces at the end of the day like what you talked about before is like a, a, a computer that can beat anybody playing chess because there is actually no communication in that whole process. I kind of assume that um, instead of, so you basically we're doing something similar to that, but actually looking at games that have been played and then looking at potentially chat histories to kind of see the relationship between what people said and then what was obviously going on around the board and then actually what they then did to try to understand more that concept of um, building trust, but at the same time potentially breaching that trust through deliberate or unintentional miscommunication. Um, so I kind of expected that. So this is actually this isn't a question. This is just probably more an observation. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm going to turn it into a question though. So why did you go the structured data type of way of doing it rather than say that other option of just looking at the way that real people have actually engaged and using that as the format to train a bot in communication? Sure, sure. No, absolutely. That's a great question. And what I will say is, you know, there are multiple sort of uh, thrusts going on in terms of how to create this bot. And, and some of them do include looking at prior games or uh, in the case of some of the some of the researchers, they're internally playing games themselves, generating that data. Uh, and then using it to train or bootstrap their their bots. Now, um, you know, we're about four or five months into the program. We had to start somewhere, and starting with creating or translating, if you will, uh, some of these existing games into as close as we can to the structured language uh, provides a baseline for all these agents or bots to to start learning, training, and then evolving, uh, if you will. Right. The the, the long term goal is to be able to relax a lot of those considerations and get to the point where you truly could play a game where you know your messages you you could be typing them in and then in natural language and then those are going to be ingested by the uh, by the agent interpreted understood 
a model of how you play built, and then responses provided, right? So that is a long-term goal of the program. But just given how early we are, um, the goal is really to just bootstrap and get something going so that we can build upon it and then start exploring a lot of those relaxed uh, uh, environments that you're that you presented. So if we have this conversation a year from now, it might be very different. Oh, no, that's cool. That's totally cool. Um, look, I'm going to show my nerdy project management side of things now and ask, I assume doing it that way, is it, are you looking at more like an agile approach rather than, you know, waterfall type of project management because you're, you're kind of seeing where things go and chopping and changing along the way? Yeah, so so that is part of it. Um, you know, I, I also come from a software uh, engineering background, but when it comes to uh, research, especially uh, very basic science research like uh, the Shade program, um, the terms like waterfall and agile they don't really um, they don't really work, right? So uh, oftentimes, what the teams are doing is trying something that you have no sense or understanding if it's going to succeed or not. So you could spend two weeks trying something and realize it's definitely a dead end for what you want to accomplish, right? So in the in that agile waterfall methodology, that just doesn't really work well. So the way we've actually structured uh, the, the program is there are monthly uh, or there are milestones at certain times along the, uh, the life of the program where there are specific deliverables that say, hey, at this point, I want to report for you to tell me of your research aspirations, which of them worked, which didn't, what was the you know what was the success criteria uh, and if it didn't work what are your next strategies that you're going to try um, and what we're doing is you know in, in the early stages a lot of these teams are going to be doing their own research uh, independently and and as they become a little bit more mature and can actually communicate via that structured language then they can start interacting and playing against each other as opposed to uh, you know playing with themselves right uh, and then we can start seeing uh, how good people are compared to others what uh, what approaches are working uh, what approaches aren't working and then obviously the you know the, the 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 pinnacle is to be able to say I want to be able to play a game where humans can be involved right and see if we can actually beat the humans uh, as opposed to uh, you know just losing all the time. <laughs> I was actually going to ask at some point in time, do you see an opportunity for the community to participate and be involved in the research? Uh, I would absolutely love that. I think that's a great idea. Um, another reason to to you know pick diplomacy, you asked why did I go down this path, was because there is such a large community around this game that, um, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned this uh, before we started recording, that I'm really interested in building out a large community that's going to do research uh, on sort of multi-agent collaboration uh, using diplomacy because there's so much data, there's so many people that are invested in the game, uh, it's, you know, certainly, um, you know, uh, the pandemic has uh, for a long time kept people at home uh, around the world. And I think there was a massive uptick in people that played diplomacy. So, you know, in that sense, large data sets do exist to help bootstrap. And if there's a, you know, an opportunity in the future for these teams to actually take their bots and allow it to be played in a much more open setting, I'm all for it. It's just a matter of making sure they're mature enough so that you know the average player doesn't just get frustrated with how uh, silly these agents are acting, right? Which is normal in the beginning. Yes, yeah, so, or alternatively goes the exact opposite way. So both um, Kana and I have played games over at Web Diplomacy which are played against some bots there where 
um, it's difficult sometimes to beat them. You know what I mean? They're, they're just too yep. good. And like, we're not, we're not terrible players. We're not brilliant players. But um, it's interesting how sometimes, obviously, you know, you could go from one extreme to another. So bots that can't play versus you know something that, that's very, very strong in their in their gameplay. Um, you talked a little bit before around the project team um, and how you know some of them are actually involved in doing some of the actually playing games to kind of provide some of the data for this. Um, how did how did the so well, I'll ask this way. The people that actually are part of that project team, I'm assuming most of them have never actually played the game, heard of the game until coming into the project. If that's the yeah. case, what's been their, their evolution and, and their view, in your opinion, over time about the game? Yeah, uh, absolutely, right? So it was a it's a grab bag of uh, people who have played the game. And when I say played the game, I mean uh, individuals who've played in the uh, diplomacy championships, uh, right, the ones the, the the World Diplomacy Championships that happen every year, um, all the way down to people who said, yeah, I, I don't even know what diplomacy is, but I read your, your public announcement and it sounded like an interesting thing, so uh, I need to get smart on this. And here's all the research that I've done in related things, right? So people who had experience in some of the other games and uh, machine learning uh, um, uh, along, those, along those lines, right? Uh, so it's been a, a complete spectrum. Uh, what I will say is, uh, certainly the people who have played Diplomacy for a long time, um, they've been hosting uh, games for the humans, right, not the bots, to kind of help them understand the subtleties and the nuances of the game. Uh, and, you know, every time I talk to the teams, it's a resounding, this is the most fun pro- project that we work on every week. So, uh, you know, <laughs> even I, I am surprised four months in that they haven't killed each other in, in rage at, you know, how these games go. But... Nonetheless, uh, they seem to be having a lot of fun, and uh, you know, even the ones that uh, you know were not diplomacy players before, they're certainly diplomacy players now. The fact that you're based, I think, in, around that Washington D.C. area, I don't know if you know. I think there's like the uh, there's the Potomac Tea and Knife Tea. What are they called? The Tea and Knife Society. Society. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> have they been involved in any of this, or or if all of a sudden they've got these brand new you know input of new new players <laughs> coming into their their community? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I haven't, uh, I haven't reached out, uh, reached out to them. Uh, you know, I will say for a long time, um, I lived in the suburbs of DC, uh, and so it was painful to even go go into DC. So uh, I haven't, uh, I have not reached out to them. I should. That's uh, thank you for reminding me that we have a local chapter that's, uh, you know, that gets together. Um, but but I will say, right? So DARPA funds uh, teams from all over the place, and so while some of them are certainly in the DC area, others are. Um, you know, quite uh, quite distributed, and uh, you know, sometimes the teams themselves are distributed, both you know within the United States and elsewhere. Okay, cool. Um, when you I mean when you were originally were involved in putting up the uh, the project proposal, what, what how did you pitch the potential final outcome? What would this project achieve in an ideal world? Yeah, no, no, that's a that's a fair point. Um, so it, it would be good to explain, uh, you know, the types of programs that DARPA runs, right? So we are a uh, projects agency. So what we'll do is we'll we'll pitch a concept, an idea, we'll show it's viable, and then there's uh, there's a whole uh, you know process of trying to identify the right transition partners, what we call them, whether they be somebody in government or uh, academia or industry. That's willing to take the outputs of that research and 
productize it and commercialize it for use, right? Um, and then even within that construct, we have what are called artificial intelligence explorations. And Shade is actually one of those. And so the AIEs, as we call them, uh, they're designed to be um, smaller efforts that are much more fundamental research, right? So they're concepts or ideas that we want to explore, we want to see what's out there. Uh, and the, the hope and the goal is that it leads to something larger down the line, uh, but it's not, uh, the, the focus is more on that research aspect, right? Um, and so for me, the, the, the short-term goal for the program is really building that community, the community that endures and lasts beyond the life of this program and beyond my tenure of government service. I want to, that's what I would consider uh, an amazing win, right? Now, the, the stretch goal is what we've been talking about all along, right? Being able to create these agents that can interact with humans. Let, let's say, we'll limit it to, to, to typed conversations for now, but you could imagine that being a you know something that you you speak to that gets transcribed and understood right um, but being able to create these agents that can interact with humans uh, certainly in the game construct um, but you know perhaps in other constructs that we start exploring once they become more mature um, you know I mentioned the the concept of you know Siri or Google Home it would be wonderful if some of these uh, uh, you know some of these uh, capabilities ended up in the sort of technologies that you know most people use on a day-to-day -day basis um, and make everybody's lives, uh, you know, all that much better. Um, the other side of it is, you know, in a lot of these domains, uh, it would be also nice to be able to see if these agents didn't just become agents or bots that can play the game of diplomacy, but if we could tailor them to help uh, be almost uh, decision support, right? So you could identify um, scenarios uh, where you know perhaps you know you have the little angel on your on your shoulder whispering in your ear. Well, this is what we see going on. Um, you know, here's a couple uh, an outcome that you should try to uh, consider, or a, a, a sort of negotiating tactic that you should consider. And it might not even be negotiation. It might just be a conversation tactic to uh, you know perhaps. Uh, take a line that leads to less uh, uh, acrimony, if you will, uh, or perhaps the exact opposite if that's what the, uh, you know, the goal is. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's there's a lot of potential within a, a commercialised environment, obviously, for that type of um, agent to be able to understand and provide much better, you know, um, I mean, even, for example, you just take social media and looking at the way that some people kind of will interact and they may say textually, Oh great, thanks a lot, and that could just be could be oh great, thanks a lot, or it could be oh great, thanks a lot. You know what I mean? The sarcasm involved exactly. in the communication is very it's it's one of those things that make you know humans and the way that we actually communicate very very right. unique. Um, but I mean, obviously, at the same time, there is um, DAPA being an actual defense agency. Obviously, there's the potential also for um, use of the research to inform other decision-making capabilities. So, I mean, springs to mind, obviously, most recent example, you see a whole heap of, you know, tanks amassing on the Ukrainian border, um, you know, the, the language coming out from the big table, the very long big table is, no, 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 everything's okay, nothing to worry about. Um, and then, of course, something happens and, you know, there's an invasion of a country. Um, I'm kind of guessing that over time, some of this will kind of help both uh, inform 
um, policy making um, and mm. the approach towards particular events, both whether it's in a, a diplomatic sense or in a defence um, environment, um, as well as, you know, theoretically, you could look at, and I'm, this is, and I've had conversations with Canada around this myself as well, where, you know, you could have a situation of a bot that is involved in a social media environment, hypothetically looking at where a, someone else is communicating, maybe in, in a group environment, um, you know, and effectively is um, creating um, a negative environment in that sense. And you're able to, that bot is able to say, hey, that's a bot as well. I'm going to, you know, effectively <laughs> kill it or, or cobble it or do something to it. To, or maybe I'm going to use some language to kind of, you know, get rid of it. Or I don't know how it works. Um, so you could use that in, obviously purely in a defense mechanism, but you could also probably potentially use it in an offensive mechanism in another let's say, a social media environment of another yeah. country that may or may not have positive, you know, relations with the United States and its, and its allies. Um, so, I mean, is that, that type of thing always in the back of your mind as a potential application of the research? And if so, how do you what, – what, what's, your, what's your view on that? Uh, sorry. Yeah, what is so, the agency's view yeah. on that? <laughs> I don't yeah, expect you to give your personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a tough question. I, you know, I won't speak for the agency. Um, you know, I I will say, uh, you know, I'm happy to reframe the question change. another way if you'd like it another way too. <laughs> no, 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 it's 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 fine. Uh, I mean, my my answer is going to be right. So this is a very fundamental research program. Um, we're nowhere near any of those sort of use cases that you you mentioned, right? My goal is really still to bootstrap the ability to even have a policy conversation like that. And then the policymakers can have that conversation. Yep. I want to show that any of these things are, uh, you know, viable. And, you know, to that point, the goal is to be as open and public with everything that we're doing. You know, um, certainly as much of the, the software that I'm going to be creating that we can open source, I want to open source it. And the data sets that are created from playing these games um, as appropriate, uh, I want to publish them. I want to make them available and open to the research community so that they can choose what are the applications that they want to kind of pursue and push down, right? So I don't want to really be involved in in sort of identifying the use cases as you as you brought up, uh, because I think the technology and the research is still so fundamental and nascent uh, that it those are almost like cart before the horse sort of conversations. Um, certainly they need to happen if the research pans out and there is a, you know, a, a need for policymakers to have that uh, conversation. Uh, but right now I'm very happy to just do the research. Yeah. Cause um, it's good to hear um, at the same time. I mean, things can go the, the full extreme towards, you know, the whole singularity environment of a bot who actually is able to lie yeah. effectively to humans and then kind of <laughs> turns that in a, in a negative sense. Um, you know, I know, it, I know. You know. Sorry, you go for it. It certainly, it certainly can. But you know, I I, I tend to think of uh, other uh, use cases that uh, you know maybe have a more you know positive slant on them, right? So for for example, um, you know, like mental health and PTSD. You know, it it is a challenge. It is a concern. And oftentimes, um, 
you know, things that can help calm somebody down very well could be just having an agent or somebody that you can talk to and, you know, uh, express your frustrations and whatnot. Imagine taking some of this technology that becomes very aware of when somebody is really agitated or in a heightened emotional state and does, you know, has that conversation with them to calm them down, even if they know that it's an agent or a bot, right? Those are the sort of use cases that come to my mind and, you know, excite me. Um, you know, that's just me. No, that's 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 a really good example, I suppose, for you know how this can be used as a, as a true for, force for good. Um, I'm not saying that you know there's there's there is, um, um, and, and please don't think I'm I'm insinuating that the research has an ulterior motive. Um, I, I, I think I think you're coming very much from the point of view of look this and the openness. I think around wanting to go into um, sharing that in an open source environment. I think kind of um, indicates very clearly that yes this is for a purely research purposes it's it's nothing uh, untoward um i know that being said with having been called untoward i know that um my co-host kana had one particular question which i did did forget to send through to you in advance um but it was one that is i think it's it's a, it's a it's i find funny maybe it's a totally wrong um kana, did you want to ask you one question that you prepared <laughs> Oh, not really very much, but what what does shade stand for? I mean, it's a it's a pretty hilarious an acronym when you think about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we we have a we have a tradition at DARPA of coming up with acronyms and then making program names fit those acronyms. <laughs> uh, that's the hardest part of the entire process when you asked how did I get this uh, research approved. Um, so. I picked shade and I had to find something that it would uh, that would convey it. So uh, what I came up with was stabilizing hostilities through arbitration and diplomatic engagement. Well, <laughs> shade sounds a lot more fun. So we just say shade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without kind of giving things away of what else is going on in DARPA, what other cool names have been used in projects that you're aware of or have been thrown around as ideas for names? Um, or oh, you don't have to answer that one. <laughs> so, so I run a program called WASH, um, Warfighter Analytics Using Smartphones for Health, right? So that's, that's one. Um, I run a program called uh, Chase, um, Cyber Hunting at Scale, right? So those are those are those are two uh, uh, that come to mind right there. Um, so let me uh, l l let me turn the let me turn the table on you guys, right? So I have a question. Uh, I was very excited when I saw that you reached out uh, to us about uh, about Shade. Uh, so I'm curious how you heard about it. Um, I think I found out about it because I was I was doing a little bit of research into um, possible interview areas to look at. And I think I came across mention of it in, oh, I know what it is. Just give me one second because I actually sent it through to Kana as part of the advanced prep so that he was ready. It was an article in Military Aerospace magazine. Oh, interesting. Um, talking about military researchers to use gaming concepts and artificial intelligence for nuanced communications. So it kind of gave, obviously, they must have seen the yeah. um, going out to the market as part of your procurement and obviously basically everything that's within it is, is lifted from from that particular document but um oh and of course they're like oh okay so I wonder what's happening here so i mean it was interesting because like we've had conversations in the past um 
number of years now with um, people involved, software engineers um, involved in that whole artificial intelligence when it comes to diplomacy. And it was purely around initially just how do you actually make a better game um, mm -hmm. and how do you play the game better. And I think what, what was most interesting to me when I read about that was that communication element because yeah. it's often totally missing within a lot of that research. And as I said before, I think that's where a lot of the value is to be able to create a connection between what is said versus what is done. Um, and what are the, I won't say the tells, but you know, what's the likelihood of certain probabilities based on how things are communicated. Um, yeah. So that was what kind of made me interested in, in it. And then I think I sent a, uh, an email through to your public affairs agency or area and um, yes, we're talking now. No, it's, that's awesome. That's wonderful. It's, uh, you know, uh, it never ceases to amaze me the, the pathways that uh, it, you know, people take to uh, reach out to uh, a DARPA program manager. It's, it's like, you know, uh, the internet makes it so easy for information to end up all over the place, right? So, so talking pathways, how did, you, how did you get employed by DARPA in the first place? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I had been working uh, in the DC area and the defense industrial base for for quite some time. Um, and, you know, DARPA sort of has a name and a, and a cachet uh, around it. Uh, and so, um, you know, at, at some point, I actually ended up working there as a, a support contractor. Um, and so I got a good taste of all the different things that were going on uh, uh, within DARPA. Uh, I left for a while to go do some, you know, some of my own research. Uh, and then, um, you know, I decided that, you know, I have some ideas, uh, you know, Shade was one of them. Um, and uh, I want to sort of pursue them. Uh, so, you know, I interviewed. Uh, I reached out to uh, to DARPA to the office uh, and asked for an interview, and you know, went through the process. Uh, told them some of my ideas, uh, and then you know, uh, a little bit later, I had a job offer. So that's kind of that's kind of my pathway. It's uh, fairly bland and benign, to be honest. It's like any I, other job. <laughs> I can imagine one of the questions would be they'd kind of give you an acronym and say, "Okay, come up with what this acronym means. <laughs> Make it sound really cool." <laughs> That should be, you know what? Yeah, now that I'm on the other side, sometimes I get to do interviews, and maybe I'll uh, I'll add that to my list of uh, questions to ask. Because <laughs> I can just program. imagine that there'd be some people over in DARPA that just wouldn't make it because you know they'd put up projects that don't sound very, you know, yep. amusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, they can't come up with a code name for you know whatever. Um, Look, I will ask this one one other last pure diplomacy-related question. Uh, when you do get seven people together and you play a game, who do you, which country do you like playing as? Um, usually England or Russia. Uh, I prefer those. Um, why is that? But like I said, what's that? Why is that? Because you're in one end of the one end of the spectrum. You know, it's a lot harder when you're getting attacked on all sides. <laughs> So I guess the opposite is you don't like playing Italy or, or Austria or Germany then. That's right. That's right. Those are much harder, I Man think. of my own heart. Well, you know, they're only hard because I'm not very good at that communication bit. And if I was better at communicating with everybody in the get-go, uh, perhaps I wouldn't find it so difficult. <laughs> so. That's wonderful. Um, Tejas, thank you very much for your time. Um, before I kind of go, I'll just make sure, Kana, did you have any other questions? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, timelines, Tejas. You, you're, I mean, you, 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 you 
is, is, it a, is this a year-long project or is it a, a year and a half, yeah. two years? Yeah, so it's um, it's notionally an 18-month effort, so it's a year and a half long. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, we're about four or five months in. So uh, we have roughly just over a year left on the effort. But, you know, who knows, depending on results, uh, maybe I'll be able to make a good valiant effort to uh, to continue uh, continue this line of research. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, I guess I had a I had another tangential question around the the robot AI. So, yeah, the, the, a lot of the work is looking at the communication of the of the bots, the communication aspect. Um, are you are you using an open source uh, sort of AI bot that sort of got the the move sets and understands what's going on on a tactical side on the board, or how how is how is that balancing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I, uh, you're putting me on the spot because I don't remember uh, the exact one. Um, so there, there are a couple of approaches that are being taken. Uh, some of the, some of the efforts are u- leveraging an open source spot, and others are building upon their own uh, uh, prior efforts in this space. So it's, it is a grab bag. Um, sadly, I cannot remember the name of the open source ones. Else, I'd, uh, I'd let you know right now. No, no, that, that, that's fine. I was. Um... Yeah, just wondering. Like, there's, yeah, because the whole, the whole, there's the tactic side and the communication side. But, um, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate and understand that some time and effort needs to be put into the tactic side. Um, but my my hope and my goal is, you know, we can focus primarily on the communications piece. Um, and you know, some work needs to be done on the tactic side for sure. And uh, to, to be honest with you, Tejas, I've played human players who are just really poor tacticians but because of their communication it's like yeah i'll keep this one around and you know they end up you know stabbing and winning and and all sorts of stuff but um i I definitely think the communication is where it's really interesting a a good buffer goes a long way yes (laughs) i will ask one last question which is actually more an open thing towards yourself tajus is there anything that we haven't talked about that that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up no, I mean, really, the, the I, I mean, I will say I was so excited to, to when you guys reached out because this is such a good venue uh, for me running a program like Shade to reach the very community that I, I want to, to sort of build outreach and engagement into. So it's not as much of a question as much as just thank you. I, I really uh, uh, I really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, to to everybody that's going to be listening to this uh, podcast, you know, I welcome outreach. Feel free to reach out. You know, if you go to DARPA's website, you'll you'll see a way to 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 reach out to us. Uh, and if you're interested in Shade, I, I'd love to to hear what what you have going on. Excellent. Um, if there's any links or anything that you want us to maybe include in the show notes, we're happy to to include that as well. So just send them through at some stage. No, no, no rush at all. I, I don't want to get I don't want to get in the way between yourself and your family and that that uh, pizza that is probably getting cold about now. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thanks. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed that. Yes, it was a um, it was a fantastic conversation. Um, lots of different things I guess we can kind of touch on. What were the, the key things I, I really kind of t- took away with it, which I was surprised about, was this the whole element of transparency that they actually want to 
have this information available, uh, which I didn't expect, and that probably explains why they were happy to talk to the two drunk Aussies who don't want to talk about the game diplomacy. Yeah, I mean, if you take if you take a look at the philosophy of um, like ARPANET mm -hmm. and like GPS, they developed GPS, oh, did they? all that sort of stuff, oh, right? Okay. You know, they've, they've, they've made these for military purposes, but then they said, right oh, here you go, public, private industry, go nuts. Exactly. exactly. You know, they gave, they did the research for a military purpose, but then they gave it to the private industry to develop, and we end yep, up yep. with you know, smartphones. That can be um, talked to, and they can respond back to us. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tay just touched on that, you know, like, it's all very well to have Siri being able to um, answer a question, but... Siri, as, as an example, doesn't understand or comprehend the context or the mood or the, or the, 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 the nuance that goes into human communication, communication in language. So, yep. you know, from, from that point alone, it's got a lot of potential. I guess, you know. When Tay just spoke about, you know, the, the different games where AI research has sat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and that, that perfect knowledge game such as chess or chess go, go yeah. you know, been cracked, you know, that they've made, for want of a better word, AI that can beat a human player fairly reliably, you know, and then you've got those games of information or slightly imperfect information like poker yep. which they've got pretty good you know but it's I can really see why training AI like it, it, it's early days at this stage you know mm -hmm. that, that contractual information so that you know that the, the AI is using um, placeholders to try and identify for the, for the purpose of learning the type of communication it's trying to make and the reasoning behind why it's made that type of communication. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah and then right. linking it to the, to the board. So it's, it's multidimensional. It, it's, it sounds really complex, to be perfectly honest. It sounds like there's a lot of teams who are involved um, in, this, in this project. So I, I would be fascinated to... If, 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 if we can facilitate it again forever, if we can facilitate another conversation with Tejas a year down the line after a lot of this research and all these, like, how they work the... Um, the milestones within the, the projects, the gate yeah, 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 yeah. And look, I, I, had, I have had a conversation with Heather around that see exactly she said that because at the time when, when I reached out it's like well we've got the project set up but there's no sorry using using um, Australian actually I don't know, Australian pilots or American pilots you know there's no runs on the board you know what I mean so we haven't yeah, actually so it's still a concept at the moment that we're starting to implement we haven't kind of got a, a paper that's been ready to go and it's been published which says this is what it is um, so we haven't got that but we're happy to have the conversation later on again when we do have that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and Tay just touched on that when you asked around um, 
been speaking around. I've got 15 minutes, I've got 20 people coming. So, um, we'll have to kind of cut some of that stuff out because one of the... Um, no, I had it on pause. Oh, did you? Yeah, but we were just moved. We were just moved by the bartender yeah. saying, well, oh, 20 people are going to come in the area in about 15, 20 minutes' time. So, um... Which interrupted my train of thought. Which did, which did indeed. Um, but, but I do kind of recall where I was up to. Uh, if it gets too late, we'll go for the cross. Yes. It, it had to do with... Um, you asking, you asked the question around like management structures, like how was the project um, organised? There was a waterfall and a well, yeah, the, the process agile versus you know waterfall type of approach. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the response was um, essentially that because it's research, they actually don't know yet what the final product's going to be yep. because it's an emergent area that hasn't been done before. Um, which, when you think about it, is you know, mind-blowing in a way. Um, you know, it just hasn't been done before. It's not been attempted. It's, it, it's, it's the stuff of a, um, a PhD student's one of these wet dreams, I suppose. You know, so. Well, <laughs> yes, but at the end of the... As, as I was asking, you know, there must be an actual... There's, there's a desired outcome. For yeah, the research, of course there is. Yeah. It's just a case of okay, so you want to get from A to B. What's going to be the journey to get to B? You know what I mean. And yes, you know you may go along some tops and sorry ups and downs in that process, and you may end up never getting to B. But you tried getting there, and you tried to modify the way you got. Hey, and the private sector might get a real kick-ass AI out of it, where they make. Like, like we might end up with a really cool communication bot for the game of diplomacy. Yep. Um, that's freely available to anyone who wants to use it. Um, like the game industry itself is huge. I imagine they would, you know, just possibilities of having oh, yeah. AI like just working like out emergent language structures with a player in those sort of role-playing game communication scenarios. I think Skyrim slash you know, human inter- interface where you can just talk to the character yes, yeah. and then have those conversations as opposed to having to select the menus. Um, yeah, I imagine that would be huge in the private sector. Um, but there was that, um, you know, what, what, what that end goal is, why is the military research doing this? Why is this military yeah. department doing it? And it, you know, it really is around assisting in those um, diplomatic conversations and communications to have, you know, the, whether or not it actually gets there. This didn't sound like this is the project that's going to get there, but provide stepping stones towards it. Yeah. Um, you know, to you can imagine where I, I could imagine a high-level diplomatic conversation where you actually have an AI in your ear. Giving you suggestions. Saying it's it's ninety two percent level of truth, but there's an eight percent chance it's lying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Judging on the body language and you know all that sort of fun stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I could fucking totally get that. Like how they predict the weather there. Ninety percent chance of rain and it doesn't rain. Yes. Ninety percent chance. Ten <laughs> percent sometimes comes up. Yeah, yeah. So you're still doing the human judgment, but you've got the. Um, you know, you've got that. And I think that was that was. Quite useful from a, a con. I'd actually this may sound silly, 
seeing we talk about the game diplomacy, but I never actually thought, or maybe they may actually use it for real life diplomacy. diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, it was like, it was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stupid idiots. Why didn't you break that one out? Well, so I'd kind of jump to, you know, how could you use this from a defence point of view to kind of work out. Uh, you know, if you have Russian or Chinese bots coming into a social media trying, uh, sorry, a social media group trying to create and foam up, you know, um, flame wars and things, and people all hop under the cup, you know, creating yeah, 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 yeah. disinformation yeah. campaigns. Or theoretically, you could even use that for, for an information campaign. I was going to say for an offensive purpose, <laughs> you know, where you can actually train this bot to kind of create problems for. In you know the Chinese version of Facebook groups, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's obviously a long way away from that, but it's you know, oh, stepping stones towards that emergent use of language. And honestly, I mean, as as a um, as a country that is allied with the United States, I kind of want them to be doing that because yes. <laughs> it's actually in our interests. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm super. Yeah, like I'm, I'm super excited. I know. I'm really happy to. Uh, um, had this conversation there and looking forward to that conversation a year down the line um, just to hear well obviously to hear how research has developed you know um, but also what 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 the next steps are for it and what sort of an acronym they're going to come up with <laughs> the acronym yes uh, <laughs> to describe the next project oh I thought that was hilarious because you know when when Kamer and I before the interview we've been exchanging a couple of you know messages and I said look um, the um, the folks at, at DARPA were keen just to understand the context of you know our questions so it wasn't necessarily give us a set of pre-approved questions that will say yes you can ask that no you can't ask ask that it was a case of just give us a bit of an idea around what type of themes you're thinking of so that we can kind of respond appropriately yes you know and I was very very clear that look our interviews are we might start at one point and we get totally lost in the conversation and never get to where we thought we were going to get to but the one question you did have that we never actually I never sent through to them actually I did later on um, I think was so why the world would you why the world would you call something shade (laughs) (laughs) which uh, it's a, a stabilizing post agitation something something and it was honestly I, I found that part of the, the interview Kana uh, it was like art imitating is it art imitating life or life imitating it's like life imitating art <laughs> it's like it's like all these people in this defense institute or defense organization have gone, you know what? You know, we've been watching all of these Hollywood movies and they come up with all these cool names for these projects. So we have to kind of step up and do the same. Yes. And I can I don't think I made the point at some point in time, like someone who doesn't play the game and just comes up with a boring name for a project probably won't get funded. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I yes. So Kudos to the, the, the hats over there who forgot um, who, who are tasked with figuring out the acronyms for things. Is there anything else you wanted to add? To, to no, it was it was a great conversation. As I said, I never expected to have the conversation, um, and it's it's as always it's great to know what's going on in the space of our game 
and where the game is going. You know, the game started obviously with Cal Hammer around drawing these little lines on a piece of paper and coming up with a rule set. To have gone from that back in the you know mid fifties to what we're talking about here, which is you know cutting edge AI research. Yeah, it's like. I can never, I mean, I, I can't possibly expect that, you know, if Alan, if Alan Callahan was still alive, if he went back to that point in time and said, that's what's going to happen to your game, that he'd even, not just comprehend it, but obviously believe it. In 70 years' time, your game will be used to train computers in understanding human interaction and the ramification of having taken that that tactical human interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, to to kind of have the game of diplomacy up on that, I'll call it a pedestal, of being up there with, you know, chess and go. You know what I mean? These are core strategy games. Yes. You know, risk isn't there. No, Risk is definitely not there. <laughs> Settlers of Catan isn't there. No, definitely not there. And I'm not saying anything bad about Risk or Settlers of Catan. Ticket but, to Ride isn't there. But you know what I mean? There's obviously some fundamentals within our game with the communication, the, the single kind of adjudication in a single period around what we're doing. It's just, it's what makes the game magic, isn't it? Well, it's why we, why we love the game, folks. That's yeah. why we love the game. That's why you guys keep listening <laughs> to this as well, to us, because yes. otherwise... <laughs> you have but, probably better things to do, but obviously you care about the game just as much as we do. So, um, Speaking about caring about the game, how are you going with your games? I'll have to check. Um, I think one of my games which I bought into in a, in a Europa Renovatio game I'm almost dead in. I'm down about one or two supply centres from memory. Um... A World War Four game I'm in at the moment, not going too bad. I probably will talk a little bit about that one in um, uh, maybe a little bit of a Patreon conversation because it's something I want to talk about there, but not necessarily for the, um, the players in the game to know about. Um, I'm in a, would you believe, just an online classic game. Just classic. a standard classic game. Bog standard classic, okay. And right. that's that's been fun. So that one there is... Um, I'm playing as Turkey. Um, I, I, I'm allied with, with Russia and we've got good juggernaut position. Oh, yes. But that being said, um, Russia is at the moment. Have you seen this one? No. So Russia is kind of dealing with a German invasion. Okay, so Germany's just moved from Berlin to Prussia, Prussia to Livonia. And Baltic Sea into Gulf of Bothnia. Oh, yes. So I can see some problems for him in the north. Um, I've got... So, there, so Austria was eliminated a couple of turns back. Italy got eliminated this turn because I stabbed him. Um, okay, only so because it was just easier for me to control the units in the air because we were clearly on opposite sides of the globe in a communication and it wasn't working quite as well as I'd like. So as Turkey, you have an army in Venice, army in Apulia, army in Naples, a fleet in Adriatic. No, fleet in Naples. Oh, fleet in Naples, sorry. A fleet in the Adriatic, a fleet in the Ionian, a fleet in the Aegean, an army in Serbia, 
they had just built a fleet in Constantinople and an army in Smyrna. Russia has a fleet in the Barents, a fleet in St. Petersburg, North Coast, army in Moscow, army Warsaw. Uh, yes, please. Yes, please. Where was I? Army Warsaw, Army Galicia, Army Budapest, Army Cilicia. Germany, who you've just mentioned, has a fleet in the Gulf of Bothnia. Is that supported there from somewhere? I think there was a, a support from... From Sweden. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Army Livonia, Army Prussia, Fleet Denmark, Army Tyrolia, Army Munich. Okay, so. Don't get that? No? <laughs> <laughs> um, England has a fleet in Sweden, fleet in Norway, fleet Norwegian. Fleet Edinburgh, Army in York, and France has a fleet in Brest, Army Burgundy, Army Piedmont, Army Tuscany. Is that a fleet, fleet in Rome, Rome, Fleet Tyrrhenian, and Fleet Tunis? Okay. Alright, so England and France are allied. At the moment, England, France, and Germany are allied. Right, so the Western, so a Western triple, triple against the Juggernaut. It's like it's pretty clear cut. Um, okay, so full press? Full press. Just normal, standard, run of the ball standard. Okay. I'm interested that France built a fleet in Brest and not a fleet in Marseille. Yep. Do we talk about that? Yeah. So, France has been attempting to encourage me to attack Russia and to break the juggernaut. Um... I said to him, look, I had two builds. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll build an army Smyrna and a fleet in Con. I'm not going to build a fleet in Ankara because that would be too aggressive. Yes. Um, and I then, con- I then conveyed those. Sorry, and I said, if I do that, at the same time, I want you to build a fleet breast so that you can attack... Um, um, England or Germany. So let's, let's kind of, you know, take them down. He also sent a message to you that he's, um, he's honest in True. And look, he could just as easily, but mind you, as, as you know, Kano, and we just talked about this at the very beginning, he could just as quickly orientate that out to the Western, uh, sorry, Middle Atlantic, Atlantic and then in Western, Western Med. So, um, he said that he will attack Belgium and move, I think, Brest into English Channel. Maybe he's going to attack Belgium? Maybe he's going to attack Peru? I don't know. Anyway, so he said he's going to do that. But I want you, likewise, to flip yourself now into the shoes of the French player. You've done that build to kind of, you know, send a message to me. But it's, And you've seen me build... Army Smyrna, Fleet Con. Do you think I'm going to attack Russia? And therefore, you follow through and attack, you know, Germany or England? 
Or do you let me theoretically attack Russia? And then as a result of that, not attack England and France so that Russia collapses. I'll get so I'll get supplied without a shadow of doubt, I'll get said who actually told Russia what was going on and said to him, Look, I'm gonna have to bank these bills, so it looks like I'm gonna attack you, but I'm not gonna attack you. Hmm. So I said, build Moscow, not Sev, because you need to hold your north. And he's done that. Mm. But my question is, like, if I went, if I hypothetically took Sev, took Rum, and I could probably get away with maybe taking Budapest just in time before, you know, all the rest of them come in. That'd be good for me. That'd get me from, I think I'm on nine, my supply centers at the moment. I'm on nine? What am I on? So you're leading the board. Yeah. Now that'll get me to 12. But the but question then is, where there? to from there? And if hypothetically France does what I expect, which is actually not attacking Germany or England, I'm facing a pissed off Russia, likely, who will just kind of... Well, you, yeah, you're going to collapse Russia. Yeah, and then... Which will mean that, what, Germany and England are going to pick up the scraps pretty yep. much. I mean, you're going to get a little, but Russia's going to go out of his way to you know, make that hard for you to get anything yep. more. Which is fair. I would do the same thing. Doesn't issues. Look, why don't you take Rome? You can't hold it. So at the moment, France and I have discussed pretty much where we all are, that's where we're all going to be. Russia's telling me that France is going to, he's kind of heard from Germany that Germany is offering to support France into Venice. And that's fine, I can move Venice into Rome and take Rome. But, I don't know, I'm kind of... I must admit, I'm thinking actually... The hard slog... I'm trying to work out, should I stick with the hard slog? Or do I take this possibility that France is actually being genuine? And not about to kind of just, you know, make it look like he's going to like he's doing what I'm doing. I know what I need. Or, oh, I need the guys from DARPA to speed up their work. Or <laughs> are you better off attacking France? And if he does stab Germany, then even better. That's good. Right? Yep. Look, why don't you take Rome from Naples? Right? That way you get the Ionian into Naples, you get the Aegean into Ionian. Right? And then you can put some serious pressure on Turinium, yeah, which you can't yeah, hold. I've been, I've, been, I've been really conscious of that myself. And you can do that. Apulia supports Naples, Venice moves to Tuscany. You're going to lose Venice, yep. but you're in a 100% better position with fleets around the Turinium and a disbanded fleet from Rome. Yeah. Which leaves them with only two fleets in the south. Once you've got the Turinium, then follow it up with the Turinium the next season. And then at the whole, the whole southern, the whole Mediterranean's rules there. And if he does move breath to English Channel, even better. <laughs> Burgundy to Rhone will just piss off Germany. <laughs> True, but at that point in time, I'm sure France would say, "Oh, that bloody Turkish player! Yeah, he's but- tricked me." He used his Jedi mind tricks on me to make me kind of do that, and I, 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 I'm really, really sorry, Kaiser. I didn't mean to do that. Let's let's go back to being best buddies again. Of course, he'll try and say that, right? 
but it sows the, 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 the seeds for discord between the West and Shimmer, which is what you want. Okay. Yeah. I'd attack France. Okay. Stay loyal to Russia. Because mm-hmm. Russia is facing a northern attack yeah, yeah. anyway, so yeah. he's, he's not going to be attacking you. No, he's, he's not going to create problems for you. That's, that's good advice, Kamer. I need to be listening to you because you are a, a better placed, uh, better ranked player in the <laughs> Hall of Fame on V Diplomacy. I, I, I so. went up recently. Huh? I went up recently. You went up further? I, What'd I you go up further. to? I'm, Tell I'm me more. 2000 something or other. Oh, wow. Um, and that, that's got to do with that known world game we spoke about. Um, Let's talk more about that. Well, okay. Um, I was playing Germany. Um, and essentially... Oh, yes! Has it finished? It's finished. And you survived! So snuck into the draw. As a draw? And, yeah, and essentially... <laughs> Denmark... Well done! Um, Denmark, who was played by Tolkus, pretty much said, I'm not going to stab Germany because he was a good ally the whole game. And it's not worth it for the five supply centers. Yep. Right. So he kept he kept me in. Um, and on my part, I said pretty much that you know thank you so much for keeping me alive. Um, but to be honest, I would have been entirely satisfied if I'd survived longer than Byzantium and Spain, <laughs> yeah. um, which was totally true. Um, so, the players who got into the draw, Tolkus, Denmark, Raynau, Wagadu. Let's um, that song about Wagadu, haven't we? Yeah. Wagadu, do, 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 push pineapple, shake the tree. Agadu, do, do, push pineapple, drink coffee. <laughs> uh, India, who was uh, Maluko Rasta, who was allied with Srivijaya, uh, Braxton, and myself. So that brought me up to your 26th in the most 26 in the in the players who have been active in the last six months. Okay, there we go. So congratulations, cheers, cheers, good job. And uh, in context for uh, those listeners playing at home, I'm only 40th. And this is why so, you're eating humble pie. 1,863 points for me versus. 2,039 points for you. Mm. Mm. That being said, um, the Dan's master points have been updated. The what? Dan's. So the Diplomacy Association of Australia and New Zealand. Oh, have they? So yeah. as a result of oh, the PoppyCon yeah, tournament. Yeah, face to face, yep. Yes, so um, my ranking is now higher than, than you in face to face games. Oh. Due well, to your lack of participation in the most recent one. Yeah. Was I placed slightly higher than you on that one prior to them being updated? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think so. No, I think you did slightly better at the last tournament. And I definitely did better the first tournament. Yeah, I think, so I think Melbourne Open I came in third, and I think the last Poppy Con I came in fourth or fifth. And you came in whatever the other rough number was. We were very close to the last tournament. So remind me about Dan's. Is it like it's a, it's a tier type system? Yeah, so it's kind of... Okay, so I think there's pretty much similar systems for face-to-face games than all the other 
major diplomacy regions around the world. It's um, I was actually trying. I was trying to bring it up here, Kana. Maybe your little Android thing can do this because the iPhone shits itself on it. I think it's actually got more to do with the fact that the Dan's website is just so old. Let's be let's be realistic. It kind of welcomes you to um, and, and talks about you know WDC twenty eleven coming soon to Sydney. Still. <laughs> um, no, yours is so, so yeah. So, so basically, this the website is just so old it just can't. Oh, here we are. You've got it working. Get on you. Okay. So basically, there's different tiers. I'll talk a little bit about this very quickly. Um, so we are both in the intermediate range, which is where the vast majority of players are. So you get points by physically being at a face-to-face tournament. Oh, intermediate. Huh? Am I intermediate? You are intermediate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think. I think actually on the. I first... jumped straight to it, didn't I? I remember. I remember. It did. We both yeah, did. The first time we went to Melbourne Open, we automatically we just we skipped the novices. We went straight to intermediate. <laughs> so, the way it all works, you start at obviously most people would start at novice to get to an, a novice rank. You get. You need to. Okay. So under forty nine. There's there's a point system. You get a point for every supply center that you have at the end of the game. Yeah, okay. And um, one point for every year of survival where there's an elimination up to a maximum of 10 points. Okay. Okay. And a survival at the end gets you 10 points. So I think because of that Melbourne Open game, we had to think about like three games. Three, four games, yeah. Yeah, even if you kind of have a, you know, a one-chip game and one decent game, one okay game, you're going to probably automatically level up straight away to novice, uh, to intermediate. So on the intermediate rank, you don't. So that kicks in at the 50 points mark, and you leave the intermediate rank after you get 100 points, where you then become a senior. Okay. Yep. But the adjudication system changes then. It's not quite as generous. So you don't get points just for surviving, or how long you manage to stay in it until there's an elimination. Uh-huh. You only get points for supply centres but only if you finish between 5 and 17 supply centres. So okay. just surviving a game, as far as those master points are concerned, with just one or two supply centres, doesn't count for shit. You have to have at least five supply centres. Okay. That's right. So at the moment... Fuck, where am I? I'm currently on 51 points. Must, must, must restart the, the numbering system. And you're somewhere down. I can't remember where I'll I found be further you. down than you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next round, it's like you have to get from senior, you have to get to 175 points, and um, you still get your supply. So you get one supply, sorry, one point per supply center, but it's only for 10 to 17 centers, or seven points for nine centers, or four points for eight centers. So it's again making okay, it harder so and harder. For you to actually well. climb the ranks, so you really do need to actually show you got your medal and you're actually a really good diplomacy player. Okay, right. So um, senior, and then veteran, it goes better, and then up to champion, and then up to master. So master, there's only six players. Who are they? Um, well, I only know one of them. So the others must be around for ages ago. So the masters are Rob Stevenson on 518 points. Okay. Andrew Goff on 396. Bravo. Yeah, we know Goffy. Tristan Lee, 242. Craig Sedgwick, 228. Thorin Munro on 208. And Rowan Keane on 182. Yeah, Rodeo. Okay. Um, 
And then the next rank, the champion rank, I kind of recognised there both Shane Cubis and uh, Peter McNamara. Okay, okay. But you know what I think I found really interesting was when I was having a look through this, I went back to um, Peter McNamara manages this, man, this yeah, at the yeah. moment. And in the novices, I can't remember where, where it is, but um, fuck, where is it? There's so many names. Anyway, I came across Marcus Zorlstra. Really? Yes, Captain Me. Really? And apparently he came out to Australia once in 2016 and played a couple of games at a tournament. Oh, good on so hey, he's, Captain. So, so uh, Marcus is in the um, in the novice rank <laughs> in Australian diplomacy. So uh, good on you. Hey. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Who can't we're, we're an inclusive audience. You don't have to be Australian or New Zealander to be in our rank. Jeez, that's a massive list, isn't it? So he must have been down in Melbourne. Didn't want to come up to Brisbane. Well, 2016 is a long time ago. Speaking of Captain Man, he's interested in the horse game. So, okay, long story short. I thought you said a horse game. I went, horse? Really? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Anyway, long story short, we were starting to talk about horse um, on two episodes now. Yes. Um, no, one episode ago. No. Oh no, you started talking you started about it. Last episode, I talked about my whole boss strategy, yeah. and then it blew up because. Oh, talk about the game. No, what happened to the game? Essentially, well, it blew up. Essentially, it blew up. It blew up. People, um, people decided, I think, in game, uh, that they didn't want to continue it. Um, because we had one or two, there's a couple of specific disorders. Um, and from my point of view, I was getting a little bit annoyed at players who were playing a special rules economy game who weren't actually participating in the economy game. They were just playing on the board. So ah, they weren't they weren't trading you mean? They weren't trading. They weren't sending me orders or anything. So it's like, oh, well, what's the point? Exactly. I'm going to run this. I want to run it with people. Give a shit. To give a shit. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it was it was uh, drawn, and you um, new advertisements out for interesting things. And I think we're we're looking at probably a lot less now, aren't we? So going, cause we're playing a modern sorry modern before, which is ten. Yeah. And now we're looking at probably seven. Is that is that too generous? Seven? No, we can play it on a normal board for sure. Um, no, I'm talking about do we have enough players who are committed? Well, not at the moment. I think there's enough for pure. That's pure five? Five. Six. Five, six, yeah. Um, but Captain Meme signed up. And he, 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 he's good to play for us. I think, you know, I know you don't like it, but Gnome World is the one of the better sized maps. Yeah, but you need how many people in your for Gnome World? Is it 14? 14. 14. We can't even bloody get enough for a like, classic. I know, but, <laughs> you know, when you're putting your foot down going, no, 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 no World. No, that's bullshit. That's actually crap. Sorry, yes, I said that, but it's a totally mute point. I mean, you have a situation where you can't even get seven players. Okay, what? So, so I tell you what, you get, you get, get fourteen nine. players, and I will play known world. Oh, okay, challenge, challenge accepted. All right, yeah, cheers. good luck with challenge. that. You can't even get the bloody seven. 
Or kick 10. Unless you're going to do some, you know, magical way of, hey, you want a guaranteed way of actually, you know, beating Ambi? Play Known World. Let's, you all play Known World because he's never, <laughs> ever, 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 ever done very well in Known World. Link through to the Known World tournament where literally every single player gets to play every single different 14 countries. And the best I ever did was, I think, drawing in one game as a middling player. I hate... Sorry. It's a great map. I love the map. I just have no clue, obviously, how to play it properly. <laughs> but you understand. You know how to play the course. So it doesn't matter. But I gave away all the keys to the kingdom last <laughs> podcast. I explained exactly what to do. Because with that game, part of the agreement with ending the game, don't forget, the one that where we had all the players drop out, was... I wanted to be recognised as the winner of the course. Which you were. Which I was. Yes. So it was recognised, I think, that... Um, you won it. Go for one on the board, but I won on the balls. I think this one... But I think Gopher used his special powers to kind of just kill the game off. Gopher didn't want Italy to start off I think the next boss game we're going to make it very clear that there's no points or even kudos for having supply centers. I'm thinking this is going to get very late very quickly. I think it might. We might stop, we'll pause stop now, we'll move to another destination and continue on. Well, should we wrap it up here? Okay. And move to a Patreon at another location. Sounds great. Alright. Well, I'm Andy, I'm Kayla, and. Leave us a comment, send us an email, drop us a PM, hate mail, I don't care. Let us know how we go. Hate mail, yeah. We want more hate mail. Just. <laughs> um, got a couple of interesting interviews coming on up, so stick around and um, yeah, we'll bring them to you. Awesome. See you all. Bye. Right. Bye.